Welcome to the latest podcast from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month we review an appraiser journal article, typically from PRS, and summarize it for you in this podcast. The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. Hi everyone and welcome to the April 2018 Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal Club coming to you from Sydney, Australia. My name is Damien Marucci. I'm here with Dr. Inez Prasida. Um, and we are talking about uh, a paper, Evaluation of Acellular Dermal Matrix Efficacy in Prosthesis-Based Breast Reconstruction. This is by Sopti et al. from Massachusetts General Hospital. Uh, and this is from the March 2018 PRS. Uh, so Inez, what was this paper about in a nutshell? So this paper is looking at the efficacy of acellular dermal matrix in the stage prosthetic breast reconstruction. Um, they enroll patients who had undergone immediate tissue expander placement after mastectomy in the period of April 2004 to June 2016. And they found that there is significant finding in initial tissue expander fill volume, in final implant size, number of fills, and time interval between tissue expander placement and expander to implant exchange. So basically in terms of efficacy, what they're sort of looking at is how much fluid you can put in initially at the time of expander placement, how many fills it takes you until the expander is sufficiently expanded, what the time period was from the time of implant placement to completion of expansion and exchange for definitive implant. Uh, they were comparing two groups. One group used acellular matrix and then the other group either used a complete submuscular coverage where uh, pectoralis major in addition to serratus anterior and the rectus abdominis fascia uh, was elevated uh, or whether it was a partial submuscular coverage where just pectoralis major was elevated and then the free edge of pectoralis major was uh, tacked to the uh, mastectomy skin flaps. Um, so as you said, what they did find uh, being significant uh, was the initial volume which was instilled and also the uh, time it took to get to the ultimate volume. Uh, but there wasn't any difference in the ultimate volume of implant, was there? No, there no. isn't any. No, no. Um, so uh, what did you see as being the main strengths and weaknesses of this paper? So the good things about this paper is that it um, has a very large sample size and it also has objective clinical endpoints to measure the efficacy. Um, however, it's, it is a retrospective study. It does have potential selection bias because it was done in just one hospital and there is possible variation in operating protocol and practice across the surgeon in that hospital. Yeah. One of the things that uh, we discussed in discussing this paper is that uh, these um, patients were selected, they weren't randomised to be in either the ADM or non-ADM group. Um, it's a bit of a historical kind of study in the sense that it does go back to 2004 when the use of ADM was very little um, and they did show in a very nice graph how the use of ADM has changed at their institution. Um, over the last uh, 12 to 13 years. Um, there was a higher incidence of, for example, skin flap necrosis in the non-ADM group. And you can't really blame 
the absence of ADM for causing skin flap necrosis, presumably that is because the surgeons were concerned about skin flap vascularity at the time of mastectomy and then opted not to use ADM for those patients but instead used uh, muscle coverage, for example. So these are not randomised patients into each group. They are patients which are selected into each group by the surgeon. So that, by necessity, will uh, skew the results uh, one way or another. Um, the question that some of us had was, why use ADM? Sure, there was a six-week difference, which was statistically significant, but when one considers the cost of the ADM, whether there's a cost-benefit analysis, uh, or a cost-benefit uh, uh, to be obtained uh, with using ADM as opposed to using more traditional techniques which don't involve um, ADM. Even the measures which they use, for example, initial fill volume, that's something which the surgeon decides at the time. It may be that the surgeon has thought, well, I'm using ADM, therefore I can put in more, or conversely, I'm not using ADM, therefore I'll put in less, and that will then make that result statistically significant, even if they perhaps could have put in more with the group that didn't have the ADM. Uh, so it's not a true randomised study in that way. So any of the outcomes which uh, result from this study have to be viewed in the light that these patients were selected to be in the groups they were in. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.